This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Good afternoon, Jenna. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, whatever it is for you out there. Hi. Thanks for being with us today. It's always amazing knowing that it's... um you know, a group effort, these discussions of ours, and we really appreciate you being with us because if you weren't, we wouldn't be doing this. So today is a really, really important topic. We are talking about our experience with conscious parenting and Jenna has a great definition ready to go. I have a definition of our experiences with conscious parenting. Our adventures in taking parenthood as an opportunity to face our deepest fears and triggers and evolve in order to raise revolutionaries who are born to build a new paradigm of love embodied on earth. Not repeating the patterns of our own upbringing, but instead mindfully changing negative energy patterns before they are passed down to the child. So good fun times actually not fun times super hard (laughs) wow it's really hard really hard like choosing to parent with intention behind every word every action and not just that they obviously pick up on energy more than anything these little beings energy imprint and just feel like I had no idea what I was taking on when I became a parent no idea it's, it's interesting. Poor Amber, she wasn't ready. <laughs> no, I definitely, definitely learned the hard way. I'm still kind of trying to recover from well, the you, shell shock. You do a great... Of the first couple of years. You're a wonderful mom. So are you. I, th- I think that my definition of conscious parenting, I, I mean, exactly what you said, but um, I think that it's different for everyone. I don't think there is one way to conscious parent. No. I, but I do think that there are some fundamental... Um, approaches that encapsulate conscious parenting and for me they are really parenting with your eyes wide open as you said not just subconsciously passing down how you were parented by your parents or subconsciously um, you know communicating with your kids how you do with your friends or whatever it may be I feel like if you, um, conscious parenting has an aspect of responding intentionally to a question, to a meltdown, to a problem, to whatever it may be, rather than reacting unconsciously. And uh, that takes work and it's exhausting, but it is my life's greatest work. For uh, Honestly, like for me, when when I fell pregnant with Valentine, I had a really interesting experience where because there was an unexpected pregnancy and I'd only been engaged for two to three months and I wasn't, I hadn't wrapped my head around the idea of being a parent yet. When I discovered that I felt pregnant, it was a real shock for me and I mourned the ending of a chapter that so quickly came that was just about me and Carrie and all of a sudden I was entering into, I could feel the importance um, of this monumental mission that I was going to be embarking on as a parent. And I very quickly got, even while he was growing from a tiny little seed in my womb, I got that 
it was my duty to help this baby come in with the greatest chance of of doing something great in the world or just being a great human and having a great experience. Such a great human. <laughs> More than anything, that was my job right now. And I knew that it started in the womb. So I instantly started clearing out the blocked energy, the fears, the negative inherited patterns from my parents, my belief systems that weren't serving me, my issues I had with trust or with men or physical issues that I had. My, I wanted my gut flora to him to be created from genetics that were vital and strong and clean and clear, as well as emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, um, just greatness as much as I could, as much to my capacity. So being pregnant really activated the concept that I need to be the best version of myself in order to give my child the best head start in life possible. And I think that that is a, just at least in my opinion, that's a fundamental aspect of conscious parenting. I don't think that you can parent in a mindful way unless you yourself are doing things to um, embellish who you are in the growth aspect. So, yeah. Did, did, did you have any experience around being pregnant or looking to get pregnant or giving birth where you had a download that, oh, my gosh, I have to change who I am or I have to be the best version of myself in order for my child to make a difference, positive difference in the world? Did you have anything in that? I think that that was kind of always my mindset. So it was not a shock to come into that mindset. It was kind of like I was always working towards that. And did you and did you see parts of your mother in you that you had subconsciously inherited? The biggest thing that I wanted to change from my own upbringing was the um, lack of connection to spirit. Because um, I think my family did a good job raising me in terms of like materials, like in all sorts of ways of like the old paradigm. Like they did a great job, but. Um, so it was a little more subtle for me to figure out what I had to change, but it's about fear, the relationship to fear and the relationship to love and spirit. So could you see who you inherited that from? Yeah. Okay, great. It was pretty glaringly clear. But I also had just been doing a lot of philosophical inquiry into my own life and my own upbringing and yeah, just a lot of philosophical inquiry. <laughs> and so how far down the conscious parenting path do you think you are? Oh man, I'm right at the beginning because <laughs> my kids Aren't are young and I think, you know, it's like a trial and error thing and um, I've made mistakes, but I've erred on the side of love and um, a lot of the mistakes I feel like I've made have been in how well I've taken care of myself, mm -hmm. honestly. Yes. Yeah. So important. So I had no, I, I didn't really relate the two. In yeah. the beginning when I, I started doing that when I was pregnant, but then when I gave birth and I was just in the thick of trying to work out what to do and how to keep this child alive, I completely neglected and forgot that I have to be the best version of myself yeah. physically in order for this baby and to have the, And emotionally and psychologically. Because like that, that's a good point. It's like when I first had the babies, I was like, my definition of conscious parenting would be just like doing everything for them, making sure that, you know, nobody watched them that was weird or sketchy or like whatever, just making sure they ate this and that or didn't whatever, not eat sugar and mm. uh, all organic. And um, in trying to control all factors, I lost myself, mm -hmm. you know. And that does not that serve them. That does not them. serve them. 
No, or me, because it got me to a place where I was gonna, I broke down. Like I Mm -hmm. couldn't go on. And this was at the beginning of this year um, where I started to have to really implement a schedule, get a nanny um, who I trust and like love um, and do yoga every day, uh, rollerblade to yoga, just do things for myself that I had never done. Okay, can I ask you, have you seen a difference in the temperament or attitudes of your kids? Have they mirrored your state of calmness compared to the times where you've been... I'm not saying I've achieved a state of calmness. (laughs) I mean, you are way less (laughs) anxious on the the general than than you were. So have you Um, seen your kids reflecting your work you've been putting into yourself? I guess I want to say yes, but I can't think of any specific examples of it. Mm -hmm. So you haven't seen any difference whether you're a complete nutball mess, falling apart, anxious creature compared to when you feel happy. Oh yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm completely anxious and breaking down, then they're going to reflect that energy imprint. So yeah. Okay. So you see a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I find that when, yeah, I find that when I'm having really, I've had a, pretty stressful couple of last weeks with Mm. prepping the house for sale and staging it and then moving and unpacking and the whole thing Uh and all by myself by the way and the miscarriage miscarriage during all of that and of course no wonder in the middle of it doctor's appointments weird doctor yeah (laughs) anyway so um I have really noticed that in the past month of all this intense chaotic things going on valentine started acting up and i thought maybe it was because we had moved home and he was just adapting to the idea of you know being unfamiliar in this space well, i'm sure that is and that's it. probably an aspect of it of course um but i could see with his relationship with me that he was just needing me to be with him he was he was trying every single trick in the book to get me still with him it just anything breakdowns attitude anything to get attention on him um he would try and it wasn't it of course made things even more stressful (laughs) and harder to do but reflecting on it i i could see that my state of anxiety and he's really empathic so I could see that he's particularly sensitive to whatever energy I'm holding in the room. And I could see that because I was so stressed out and overwhelmed and distracted and had so many balls in the air, it was affecting him on a really big degree to the fact that his teacher, mind you, he's three and a half, he's in preschool, he's just a little creature, but his teacher pulled me aside to kind of discuss with me the attitude he's been experimenting with at school. Oh, man. Which got me... I'm just going to want to punch <laughs> teachers. I just already can tell you. No, she's amazing. I, I, She's my absolute savior. But it was just a moment where I had to stop and check myself and say, what is my role in this? What is he reflecting in me? And what do I need to do? Like, what's most important See, that's in a, this phase? What a beautiful encapsulation of conscious parenting right there you know the fact that you would hear that and think what do I need to do to work on myself like you know that relationship to a statement like that a teacher would say about a child because an unconscious parent would say Valentine stop acting up at school you're bad for acting up you're bad if you act up and so just to deflect even, to the, even the, take yeah, it as that is the essence of conscious parenting to me mm. 
I, I think that's a point like reading in between the lines and not seeing things just at face value and thinking. Like I really feel as though Valentine and I are such a <laughs> constant flow and mirror of each other. And so whenever something's going on with him, I always stop and think and go, hmm, what is going on in the home? What's going on in me? What's going on in the relationship? And being a parent has <laughs> more than anything in my life has forced me to keep myself in check in my relationship and the relationship to myself because I know that he is forming his entire reality off what he is observing between my partner and I and between and in the relationship with myself and it's it, I've never had a better excuse to really be the best version of myself possible than being a parent it's been <laughs> it's been really real. It's so real. Oh. Yeah, it's really it's too exhausting. Real. Sometimes too real. I just want to tap out. I'd be like, I just want to be irresponsible. I want to be an unconscious slob, please. And sometimes I do. And I think it's good to allow yourself a break. Like recently we went on a trip to Zion National Park on Father's Day without the kid, <laughs> which was hilarious. Best Father's Day ever. But we needed that two, three days to just let go and not be on, 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 constantly watching our words and this and that for the sake of Valent what we're teaching Valentine. Do you ever take a break? Do, you uh, do I ever take a break? <clears throat> so no, for a long time. And then just recently, I like you took like my first break, a low, like trip away with my husband. <laughs> and it was like, bliss i remember you texting me being blissful do you remember i came back and i was like in the best mood you of like were. my entire life yeah you I were know. on cloud nine i was on cloud nine and you were texting me saying i'm never traveling with children again this is the yeah. best i know it feels just, like a honeymoon right yeah and i'm so lucky because jesse gets to go to that conference twice a year and it's always in a different place <laughs> <laughs> i get to go with him Whoa. without the kids so good. So to that point, I think balance is of the utmost important because then that sets us up for being happy, balanced, healthy, and, and not just being a stressful endeavor. Parenting. And also when your kids are a little older, like ours are at least toddlers, maybe this would be different if your kid is like three months old, but um, just the separation, like distance makes the heart grow stronger, you know? <laughs> so it's like, when, when you're not with them all the time and then they, they do see you, it's like really exciting mm -hmm. for everyone. <sighs> Gets me kind of like brewing up my next <laughs> solo without sans baby vacay. Um, so are there any particular methods you apply to your parenting that we can discuss? So I would say I have a, <laughs> a methodless method of parenting. Nice. I love that. Um, I kind of just roll with it <laughs> in the moment. Uh, very intuition mm -hmm. heavy. Mm -hmm. Very intuition heavy. That's what I think is at the base yeah. of conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. There is no one book. There is no mm -hmm. one way. This isn't a formula or a method, the one that works for everyone. Mm -mm. I think mm -mm. that the, the, form, the one formula that will work for everyone is following your intuition mm -hmm. about your for kid your unique child in every moment and their unique constitution and mind and spirit and what they need. And it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So what your intuition is telling you about them at three months and what they need in regards to sleep training, mm -hmm. not sleep training, this type of food, that type of food, whatever, whatever, um, may look different in another three months' time. 
Totally. Here's an example for that. So Milo, traditionally, as we know, is a horrible eater that never eats anything good for him. And for a long time, you know, my intuition was like, don't force him. Like, just let him eat the foods that make him feel comfortable. And yes, I'm going to get, I'm going to feel bad because he's not eating vegetables. And I I'm feel embarrassed to tell people like that I just let him eat like chocolate chips and pizza and but you could get him the healthiest version possible of the which bad things he eats. yeah yeah i did that yeah. but i still felt bad about it because it was like sugar and gluten like pretty much and and dairy and um <clears throat> things that i don't really i don't want to eat so i just felt like i shouldn't let him eat it but instead even though that was what my mind was telling me my mind was saying be rigid like force him to eat well but my heart was saying my intuition was saying let him self-determine the food that goes into his body because first of all, his body might have an intelligence. Like maybe a kid needs something different than an adult needs. And that's why like I wouldn't eat the same foods as him. Um, but basically what I'm trying to say is that it all worked out fine. And he came around to now eating handfuls of raw spinach. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. You, that was another cloud nine moment. Milo just got a handful of spinach and shoved it in his face. Yeah, and now he, he's like, Mom, I want to eat raw spinach three times a meal a, a day for every meal. I'm going to be stronger than Popeye. I love the incentive. Yeah. I need to be stronger than my little sister. Yeah, he wants to be stronger than his little sister. <laughs> he wants to be a winner. So that just goes to show. Like, I, And oh, with the consciousness part, even though I let him eat anything he wanted, I would always talk to him about how food affected his body. So I'm like... You know, you're eating sugar now, but sugar is not good for your body um, or whatever. This is this is good for your body. How about this healthy choice? And he would say, no, I want this. But it inter- he internalized that. And now he's got into He's a bigger age and he now is making healthy choices. So mm. see, that's an interesting that's an in- interesting point you have, because I would have issues allowing Valentine at three to determine what he wants to eat. He would just be eating ice cream and pizza the whole time. That's like what Milo did. And I feel as though it's my responsibility to put boundaries down. Yeah, and and be like, okay, you can have a slice of gluten-free organic pizza, but you have to eat this broccoli. Even though you don't feel like it and you don't want it, we have to develop your palate to be used Mm. to these flavors because – and explain why. Because this piece of broccoli makes you strong, stops you from getting colds. It's going to make you grow more, blah, 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 rather than just being like, oh, you can eat whatever you want. Well, you see, and this is a perfect example of two mothers needing to use their own intuition. Because I'm not saying how it would have gone with Valentine if you had chose a different way. But I think with Milo, if I had done what you're doing with Valentine, like forcing him to eat broccoli before he gets a treat or something like that, I just know my kid and every kid is different. And that's why every situation is different. Mm -hmm. But I think it could have psychologically caused him to hate broccoli and never want to eat broccoli because he has this very core uh, feeling of like being forced to eat it. And I could tell that that's how it would have been imprinted on him. And that's the case for Milo. And yeah, I was afraid the same thing as you, like he's not going to develop the palate that's going to want it. But clearly that's not true because he never ate spinach and now he loves it. So it's like palates develop. Mm-hmm. 
So what's your ideas then around boundaries being good for children and healthy and them needing them in order to feel safe? Yeah, I think boundaries are good. So the boundaries that we place are around safety. And I don't place anything that's unnecessary as a boundary because I don't want to put false boundaries up or like put him in this world of false boundaries. I would rather him know what's truly safe and what's truly not. So it's it's teaching him to take care of himself yes, in the world. I completely agree with that yeah. philosophy. I think that our job is to just uh, like nurture that intuition within them to make smart choices totally so for them to want to choose the broccoli to yes. want to do this to want to and I was working on him wanting to choose the broccoli the whole time even when he wasn't choosing it every time he didn't choose it I was like this is why you should have chosen it Mm-hmm. And my nanny tells me that at the park, he's the police. He's the police <laughs> for other people's meals. And he's telling other people what I told him. <laughs> is it organic? Is that good for your body? Does that have yeah. sugar in it? And now he had internalized all of the times that I had told him that. And he mm-hmm. had made a bad decision. Still, he had internalized my words mm-hmm. to the point where now he is living them. Isn't that incredible how when they're not with you, they're a completely different version of themselves? Mm. I get reports from, I mean, that was a bad report, that example I gave you, but I get good reports all the time where he's acting up with me and then he'll go to school or to a friend's house and he'll be the most polite human on earth and play with toys yeah. and eat lots of healthy things. But with me, he'll be you know, a bit resistant to things. Well, they're always the worst with mama. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is one of the most, the most fundamental elements of conscious parenting is just being mindful of your words oh, and, yeah. n- and how you navigate them. And I think that, yes. And I think that's one thing that we both had in common in these two stories, because we both kind of gave different takes on how to feed your kid, but both of us followed our intuition. Mm-hmm. Both of us are, 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 using words that inform the kid of how to make good decisions Mm -hmm. for themselves. And then in a way, at least for me, like stepping back and then seeing what happened, you Mm -hmm. know? And for me, just understanding, like I, I feel like he needs a little more guidance rather than me stepping back and needing, letting him make the choice at three. Exactly. And that's your kid and your your situation. And that's Mm -hmm. my kid and my situation. This is a perfect example of how like no two rules are the same for two Mm -hmm. kids. Or mm. two parents. They're very different as well. Yeah. M- Milo and Valentine, completely different. So I think it's really a matter of just when I started parenting, I could see, I could, I could, re- when I was, when I had become completely committed to watching myself in how I spoke and how I reacted rather than responded to things, I did this in my marriage as well, how I was reacting to Carrie, I could really see what belonged to me and what didn't. And I could see my mother playing herself out in my words and reactions and actions. And it had to be a conscious choice for me to pull that back and reprogram that with something that was true to me. And it's, yeah, I feel like that is, you, we can't be going on automatic pilot with parenting. And with parenting, it's like you end up on automatic pilot almost like all the time. And I'll tell you why. It's because you're tired, you're stressed, you're juggling all these balls. And when you're in a situation where you're just trying to make it through and you're just trying to survive, the default mode becomes... Whatever's easiest. Whatever's easiest. And, and whatever that's is whatever an automatic you're pilot. Automatic I pilot. completely agree. That's why self-care, I think, is at the, the root of a mindful life, whether that be relationships, parenting, health, whatever it may be. I feel like balance, rest, self-love, self-care is everything. It's really hard to 
make an intentional move when you're just exhausted and overwhelmed and, you know, you, you're just over it, yeah. over life, basically. It's like you can't. When you're that tired and you're that stressed out and you're that at the end of the rope, mm. you just can't. So I agree. You, you know what I've found is an incredible tool, which at first I was surprised that this was a tool and that's something you had to develop and really work on for it to do it properly. But listening, I found that I, Valentine just wanted to be heard. When yeah. he found his words, he didn't want me to constantly be directing him and teaching him to do that. He just wanted to be heard. He wanted to feel as though he was safe to express himself. And I've made a real effort to always let him talk from beginning to end and get everything out and then offer a reflection on what he's feeling rather than saying, putting an interpretation on what he's feeling, I offer, I try mirror, I try reflect the words he used so he feels heard. And on that point, I think that's one, a great point because I've noticed with my kids, especially when they're toddlers and they can't fully express themselves through speaking, that there's like this frustration that comes up and it's just because they want to be understood. Mm -hmm. They want to know that they're trying to express themselves mm -hmm. and it's like they just want someone to mm -hmm. understand, you know? And in that moment where Maisie can't really talk properly but she's getting frustrated because she wants to communicate, um, when Valentine was l like that, I would just say, oh, you're feeling big feelings. Mm. Yeah. And if he looked like he was getting frustrated, like you're, you're getting really frustrated. You're jumping up and down mm -hmm. now. Yeah. You can cry totally. if you want to. Narrating their emotional experience. Narrating you know? their So experience. they're like, this is what frustration feels like. Mm -hmm. This is what anger feels like. So then in the future, when they're old and they do have verbal capacity, mm -hmm. they can just say, mom, I feel frustrated mm -hmm. or mom, I feel angry right now because they know how to identify these emotions. Yeah. And also normalizing emotions mm -hmm. where big one they're not afraid to be mad sad glad uh, you know angry whatever it is i when i hear parents in the park saying don't cry oh. i get so sad it hurts me i feel like oh that's that adult that i met the other day who was so shut off from their emotions because they were probably told as a kid, yep. not boys don't cry. Or and kids don't, just don't cry. Or I know Jesse's grandfather used to tell his father, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, yeah, little moments like that. Can I remember moments in my childhood when when someone said one sentence or did one action, and I remember it being so significant. I held on to that for the rest of my life. Do you life. have any examples? I'm just curious. Well, yeah, there's one moment I thought about the other day because we just moved into this house with a pool, first time since I was 15, and then I started thinking back to when I was 15, and one of the first memories was a traumatic memory that came back to me where I remember one of my dad's friends was over and we I just come back from hockey practice and I was in my hockey gear and I like was field hockey? Yeah, field hockey. Oh, okay. I represented the state, baby. Love field hockey. What, what was the state? New South Wales? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly She's serious. Right. It was. <laughs> uh, and I was walking around the pool. I must have been about 15. And my dad's friend was there. And we were like messing around with him, trying to push him in the pool, you know, being 15. And I remember him picking me up and like really um, quite aggressively picking me up and dragging me dragging me across the yard and throwing me in the pool. And I was crying That's and saying, 
don't, no, don't, please, I'm sorry, don't, don't, don't. And it was very clear. I wasn't joking. I didn't want him to throw me in the pool. And I've never forgiven that guy. I I have not (laughs) forgiven him. His name was Troy. Troy, we're coming to get you. (laughs) Seriously, I really have a grudge against him, which I have to work on. You better sleep with one eye open. (laughs) I don't want to genetically, I don't want Valentine to genetically inherit my frustration with Troy. You can't genetically inherit inherit that. (laughs) But I remember feeling... um, violated yeah. and that and I uh, a trust broken it's like it, I felt it's like, like and my, a and consent you know, thing because you you withdrew your but consent, not just that you, know? you were like no the and the part still that really you. hurt was that my dad laughed about it he laughed your about dad it. laughed about it you did not mention that yeah that is the major. response from like I came back to my dad sobbing and gasping for breath <gasps> and so distraught and my dad was just like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. You were trying to push him in. Oh, don't, don't cry. Just forget you're making a big deal out of this. And in my mind, all I wanted was for my dad to be like, Validate, I got back. you. Give me a hug. I got you. It's okay. Or even more yet and to so say, this be like, Troy, stop being an asshole. Why'd you throw her in the yeah, pool? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's Something. what he should have said. Or not just that, like narrate what happened so I could get a full scope of it rather than being left with the trauma of being um, kind of miss, um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see, know but that's exactly right because you had a big emotion and, it mm-hmm. be- and especially it, it you was, were 15. So yeah. it's like at least you were able to somewhat process it. When this but happens it was to pushed a little side, and then that is the issue which I think, I think that was the, the moment, the opportunity for healing around this and for also a lesson. And that moment of big feeling was pushed aside. So... Mm-hmm. And I remember now, like, I, I mean, I'm sure I can think of many, many occasions where, I mean, for instance, there were, my mother once said to me, never, um, I mean, I can't say her words word for word, but it was basically never um, let a man look after you. Never trust a man and never let a man look after you. And you're you still working on that one, You have to be huh? independent because you can't trust men. That's basically what she said yeah. to me. I must have been about 10. Right now, she herself was suffering with mistrust, was suffering in a relationship which she didn't feel happy. And that was energetically evident and obviously evident in the words she used. Now, she didn't understand that those words imprinted a definition of marriage for me onto me and a definition of men and if and trust and if I could or couldn't trust them for the rest of my life. I've been trying to. consciously undo that yeah and so just knowing just reflecting back on my history with my parents and what what was traumatic for me and what worked and what didn't I've at least been able to start to mindfully undo the parts that don't belong to me that need to be healed so I don't mindlessly follow um pass them on to valentine and both of those things happen when you are like old enough to remember them. So it's like you can go back and therapeutically process them. When it ha- when something like that happens to a very little kid, like Valentine's age or Maisie's age, they're not going to really remember and they're not going to be able to consciously process it ever. So like that energy imprint of that big emotion being stuck inside them mm. is going to be with them forever. Also, my mother never cried in front of me ever and she never really was affectionate. So... Just by the way she was being as herself, I learned that I should never cry. 
And I learned that it wasn't okay to have a lot of emotions and I had to be strong. And that's what a woman was. That's what my mom never cried in front of me either. But man, I have not followed her in that. <laughs> like I cried in front of my kids all the time because I'm authentic about my emotions. And sometimes I feel bad about it, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm being authentic. Did you have to work to get to that place? I didn't. <laughs> no, but so so you were just, you were always that way. I just, I can't. Mm-hmm. I physically cannot be fake. See, I think that some people just uh, take on what their parents like pass down and some people just aren't that way. It's it's such I've, a fine balance of and nature. You and also nurture. have two parents because I think my dad probably is less able to uh, control his emotions than my mom. Mm. So I might've got that from him. Mm. But like my there's mom, so much. It, there's just, just yeah. it's so complex. It's so, much. <laughs> so yeah, really being able to listen, narrate, and I, I'm really into Rye. Do you know Rye Method? R I E. I'm obsessed with Rye Method. I suggest you look into it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Their whole philosophy is based on their parenting philosophy is based on r- respect and narrating their child's experience from a young age, from an infant. So even when you go to pick the infant up. You tell them, I'm going to pick you up now before you pick up the baby. And then we're going to change your nappy now. So there is an element of respect embedded in your communication from day one. Their whole philosophy is treating a kid how you would an, an adult in terms of communication and respect. So they're included in processes and they start to understand that process. And also the concept where you don't interject during a child's experience. So for instance, if an infant is just staring up into space and it looks like they're just kind of doing nothing, there's probably a process their brain is um, you know, undergoing, such as looking at the light and understanding the space between them and that those dust particles. And they're creating this process that's probably developing their brain. And you come in and just pick them up and snatch them, or you're constantly interjecting and interrupting their brain processing. So I think that's a really important part, important point as well, just to allow them their autonomy and allow them, them their process. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, just to respect, I don't, I'm not an expert at Rye, nor have I like really practiced it, so I can't say, but I can say that um, respect, like I know with my kids, like I think of them as old souls who've lived many lives and are here to, to complete a mission. And, um, they're more than just a little kid. They're like a spiritual being, you know, who's just in the body of a baby right now. So for me, I completely, um, totally hear you and meet you on that, like respecting them on like a, I would an adult almost. Mm. What is your, is, so did you run into any issues when it came down to agreeing on a parenting style with your partner? No, bless his heart. He's he lets me take the reins. Take the reins. The one thing that we have had some disagreements on have been vaccines, but we are currently on the same page. Woohoo! Triumphant. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I can imagine. How about you? Uh, yeah, I th- I think. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, Carrie and I, Carrie is the same. He has, like, given me the reins of parenting, which I think um, a part of me doesn't like that. I want it to be him be more involved, but then a part of me is glad that I get to run the show to a degree. But, um, yeah, we definitely have rubbed up against some issues 
with the same parenting style, for sure. And it, it, it's an issue. And I think that sometimes guys are more in the mind and practical and obviously we're more wired emotionally and intuitively sometimes. So I think those two things sometimes battle against each other. Mm-hmm. Totally. Coming from the heart or from the mind? Hmm. Okay, so is there anything else you want to um, discuss on today's topic? I mean, I guess just erring on the side of love, like loving your children, loving yourself, loving other moms, other kids, just respecting people's parenting styles, realizing that if someone's doing it different than you, it's totally fine because whatever's going to work for you is just not going to work for other people Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And just, you know, cutting out all that pettiness or that um, just, I don't know, just just love, just love your child, each other. And um, yeah, that's my final point. (laughs) I love that. Just love. That's it. And um, yeah, I think that my biggest takeaway from being a parent is really how I can use parenting as an arena for my own self-development, my own evolution, and to be a better a better wife, a better human, a, a better mother, a better friend. Everything's an opportunity and I'm growing alongside my three-year-old every day. <laughs> There's an opportunity. And when I do it with my eyes wide open, it's such a intense but beautiful and well worth it journey. Totally. So good luck out there. We're thinking of you and we're with you. <laughs> Um, let us know about your experiences too because as I said everybody's experiences are so different and these are our experiences that may or may not apply to people so please let us know your your experiences in the comments because that could help somebody else that reads that comment that is something different than what we're talking about Mm -hmm. so please all comments all questions everything is welcome on this episode and every episode Um, just let us know where you're at with this yes please And there's no one way. Your way is the right way. Do we have a challenge? Yeah, we do. Um, My invitation for the listeners is just observe yourself and really check in and notice if there are any subconscious inherited negative patterns that you are playing out in your parenting style that don't serve you or your conscious parenting approach. Take note of them and start work on rewiring that pattern and intentionally choosing a way that serves you and serves your child and your family better. So, yeah. Good one. Let us know. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you. We can feel you with us and that's why we do this and it's making a difference in our lives and hopefully yours. So please don't hesitate to leave us a review because that really helps us grow and get the word out there. And we love you lots. Yeah, you're seen, you're known, you're loved by us. Always, every day. No, but seriously, we, we're constantly checking in, reading comments and reviews, and we fill you with us. So. Sending out that Reiki energy straight to your heart, <laughs> just giving you the love. All there is is love. Love you. And have you with us next time. Bye. Bye. Have a great week. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com, for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.